0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. The story on everybody's minds, of course, is, uh, is the tragedy that occurred. Ten people dead, 15 injured after a uh, van drove uh, up onto the sidewalk along Young Street by Finch up in North York. Uh, police uh, said they have received the first call about 1.30 yesterday afternoon. And uh, chaos ensued, death ensued, something like they had never seen in the streets of Toronto.
1: I seen this car go on the sidewalk, and he just crumbled down one by one. Every single thing that came in his way, he just drove
0: drove right on it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable indeed. Uh, One of the eyewitnesses who uh, was on the street and saw the whole thing happen, of many, by the way, who have uh, come forward to uh, talk to us and try to explain exactly what they saw, I don't know anybody can actually explain at this point why it happened, but uh, the, the events that did occur are etched in our minds now. Joining us to uh, to talk about this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us on the show today. My pleasure, Bill. How does something like this happen, I guess, is, is the first thing that happened. I mean, we've seen this. Uh, we saw it on London Bridge. We saw this in Barcelona. We saw it in Nice, France. Uh, but I guess the, the thing that seems to come to everybody's mind is right now is, well, it'll never happen over here. I guess we were being naive, weren't we?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you, you asked the question how, and, there, and there's two ways to answer that question. First of all, how, I mean, anyone can do it, right? You could do it. I could do it. My cat could do it. I mean, it's not complicated to, to rent a car and drive down the street and pick up people to mow down. So it's a, the simplicity of the attack is it's kind of its beauty in a perverse kind of way. The other question to how is, like, you know, why? So what's the motivation? And that we don't have really any indication of so far. Um, certainly what we've learned to date, and it's really, really very much, you know, drives and drives of information, is that the guy who the suspect does not appear to have any kind of political, ideological, or religious motivation, which means it's not terrorism under the, under the criminal code. But we're going to have to wait until uh, he's interrogated, if he's going to cooperate, and if he's not, um, we'll find out what his friends and family have to say. Get a warrant against his uh, against his cell phone. Get a warrant against his email. Was there anything that he's left behind? A manifesto? Scribbled notes? Uh, Zahaf Divo, the guy from Parliament Hill, got his cell phone video in which he said why he did it. So, we're going to have to wait and see uh, what, what what the police will cover in their investigation.
0: What are police doing right now? From the the moment that the, the arrest was made yesterday, we'll talk about that in a couple of seconds. The the methodology that was used there,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: but what, what is there a game plan that police follow when something like this occurs?
1: I mean, I think so. So I, I you know I worked for CSIS, not for law enforcement. So I got to be really careful here in, in how sure I give you my, in terms of my answer. But you know, obviously they got a guy in custody, which is good. That means they can ask some questions, and who knows, he may have. Uh, a complete confession the minute they, they put the cuffs on him. Who knows? I mean, or he may, be, he may exercise his, his, his right to remain silent. We don't know that just yet. So they'll, they'll definitely try get to get some out of him. If he's not cooperating, they'll go to the family. They'll go to friends. They'll go to his fellow students at Seneca College. They'll go to people that know him. And then, you know, then they'll, and they'll try and get a, a warrant real quick, which I'm pretty sure a judge would grant to see, you know, what else can they learn about him. They'll talk to their, to their allies, both in the GTA and, uh, you know, the RCMP, maybe Thesis, maybe the Americans, to see, uh, what do you have on this guy? Did he ever cross your radar? Was he ever under, under investigation? Did he crop up in something else? So they're going to want to uh, uh, basically turn over every stone bill to figure out, what can we find out about this guy to understand better why he did what he did, if he doesn't told them already.
0: Uh, I mean we've seen some of the stuff that journalists have already uncovered uh, people that, that knew him at the college and others so clearly police are probably two steps ahead of those people to to ascertain as much as they can about this guy and build a profile on him
1: yeah and, and I'd be you know I don't I don't want to you know cast the media or anybody in, in in a false light but I'd be really careful about some of the theories that I've already seen on Twitter out there um, We don't know anything right now it, you know did he suffer from Aspergers syndrome maybe he did maybe he didn't if he did, so what? I mean, is that is that a motive? Is that is that a rationale? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist. There's talk about him being one of these in, involuntary celibate people. Who cares? I mean, is that a motive? Maybe, maybe not. I, we just don't know at this point. So I just caution Canadians to just, you know, look at the information that you're consuming. How real is it? How accurate is it? And what's the motive of the people who are posting it? So uh, just be careful of what you are reading, what you can film.
0: Well, that's all about context, isn't it, Phil? I mean, have we not been talking for the last number of months about about the stuff that gets posted on social media, especially on Facebook, and how, how it can obviously be false stuff that's put up there and it looks official, so we just assume it is. And, and we, we eat it up. Uh, and, and I think that's what's happening here in this rush to try to find out and maybe to answer some of these questions that are floating in our heads right now. We're willing to grasp onto just about anything, and that, and that can be a mistake.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. Look, Bill, I worked in intelligence for 32 years. And, and the, only, so the cardinal rule about intelligence is that your information has to be from a reliable source and, and you have to be able to corroborate it from multiple sources. So the fact that you tell me something... You may be the best guy on the planet, but I don't know what your motive is. I don't know why you're telling me this. So I'm advising Canadians to act as intelligence, <laughs> intelligence officers. Ask questions as to, you know, the, the origin of the information. Uh, did the person who posted have any reason to know? Are they just you know talking out of their nether regions kind of thing? So... You know, you guys in the media are the same thing, right? You try to corroborate the information that you have before you you go with it, and that's the best practice. And I think that, that all Canadians should follow the same practice.
0: Absolutely. And and that process is unfolding. I guess we'll find out a little bit more after his court appearance today, and uh, and I'm, I'm sure Chief Saunders and others will be uh, making some public statements on this. Is is this the new kind of, of uh, terrorism? And I know some people are reticent to even use that phrase, but, I mean, somebody does something like this with uh, clearly the intent of mass murder. Uh, but we've seen it a number of times right now. And, I mean, you know, when you use that term, play word association, Phil, in the past we thought of planes going into buildings and, or, you know, bombs going off. And uh, it just it just seems it's a vehicular homicide, it seems to be the trend now.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it is, though. I-, I think whether this is terrorism, which it doesn't look like at this point, given the definition of terrorism under Canadian law, um, any kind of a- attack or any act of mass violence, it seems that people have realized, you know what, it takes some actual skill to fly a plane. First of all, if it's a commandeer a plane, it's kind of problematic. Um, in a country like Canada, getting hold of an AR-15 is problematic. if not impossible. So what people have realized is that, let's just keep it simple, stupid. And and also, if you look at terrorist groups around the world, like Islamic State, like Al-Qaeda, they're going online saying, yeah, just do that. You know, rent a car, drive your own car, steal a car, a guy hijacked a, a truck in Berlin a couple of Christmases ago and mowed down people at a Christmas market. So there, you know what, it's it basically, it's a race to the bottom in terms of how you do these things. And if you're a guy that's seeking to do this, whether you're a terrorist or you're a guy that's just, you know, a little bit off, you're going to want to do something which has the greatest chance of success. And the greatest chance of success is getting behind the wheel and mowing down people on a sidewalk. Because A, it's almost impossible to stop, and B, it doesn't take any special skills. So uh, we, we we haven't seen the end of this, though. I, I hate to say this, I'm sure I'll be talking to you in the future about this, um, but it seems to be the way that we're going.
0: How do you do something about this? I mean, we saw the reaction to it yesterday, uh, after the incident, as police were investigating up at Young and Finch, uh, of course, there were a, a large number of people that were going to the ACC for the hockey game last night and and we saw that uh, that they took some precautions there. I mean, they had some streets blocked off with uh, with fire trucks and and police cruisers and things of this nature. You can't do that all the time. I, I mean, but it, there has to be, I think, at some point, fellow, discussion about how cities are going to deal with this and and I don't know if you can prevent it, but at least try to mitigate the possibility of it happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, I understand why people are asking those questions, and you can certainly lock down the ACC, and you can lock down the Rogers Centre, and you can you know, lock down Queen's Park, and you know whatever is in Hamilton you want to lock down. I have no idea, but how do you lock down Young Street? How do you? I mean, just imagine the cost if you wanted to put concrete ballers or fencing along the sidewalk on Young Street, which, as we all brag in Canada, is the longest street in the world. Just think of the cost of that alone. Secondly, think of the cost in terms of psychological. Do you want to walk down a street that has concrete surrounding you all the time just because to prevent the one in a bazillion chance that someone's going to drive a truck down it? So I think we have to be, we have to step back. This is tragic. I'm not trying to minimize the loss of life or the injuries, but let's not think that this is going to happen every day. It doesn't. Let's not think it's going to happen in every city. It doesn't. And so we can't let our reaction basically turn us into fortress Canada because then that that causes all kinds of other problems for us. So, you know, it's easy. I mean, maybe it's easy for me to say because I worked in this as long as I did. But I'm not going to change my lifestyle, though. I'm not going to stop going to cafes, walking down the streets, because the chances of being hit by this guy are probably the same as being hit by a, by a bolt of lightning or a meteorite. And it's not going to change the way I live.
0: Well, there has to be some sense of practicality here. I mean, you know, I know that that was the reaction in London after uh, that that van went down there and, and mowed down some people on the bridge right by the Parliament buildings. And I know they blocked that off and they put some battle up there. But eventually, they're down. Uh, because people say, okay, I guess the threat is over. I mean, But you're right. I mean, it's it, you can't do that. You can't lock a city down, can you?
1: No. And, and and besides, if I'm a bad guy and you've locked down the ACC or you've locked down Westminster Bridge or you've locked down whatever, I go one block over. Or I go two blocks over. So that happened in Manchester where the actual concert venue, this is a, a year and a half ago, the actual concert venue was really well protected, but the square outside was not. So you protect the square, so he goes across the street. So you protect the street, he goes one block over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. that you're displacing the threat. You're not actually doing anything about it. So again, as a Canadian, um, very proud Canadian, I have no desire to live in a country where we're gonna we're gonna basically live under this fear scenario because it's it's as tragic as yesterday was. It really is a one off. It's not it's not a trend in Canada. Maybe it'll become one. I sincerely hope not. But I think for the time being, let's just you know. Take a deep breath, sit back, and say, okay, what happened? What does this mean? And, you know, what What, what can we do that's reasonable to try to prevent something else? And, of course you want to prevent it. You don't want to sit back. I don't want to be talking to you after the fact. I want to be talking to you, you know, after something has been, been spoiled. But there are reasonable things to do, and I think there are unreasonable things to do.
0: And, and there are precautions that are being taken. I mean, you've talked to us in the past about the Five Eyes and about the, the, the security network and the intelligence network that goes on worldwide. Uh, to try to keep uh, authorities posted as to what's happening. They say this guy was not known to people, but that seems to be our best defense right now, is the sharing of information.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of Canadians get upset when we share with the Americans, because it's a long time on stuff, but it's bottom line, Bill. We don't share, we don't know. We're not large enough, as, in terms of our law enforcement, security, intelligence, that, you know, we don't have the numbers that the Americans do and that the Brits have. So these are partners that we rely on. They're, they're great partners. They've been around for a long time, and I'm very happy that they're part of our, our sharing relationship. Yeah, we do. It, it's rule-based, and you do it on a need-to-know basis, but uh, I, I think it's important for us to share, and Canadians have to realize that we have to give to get, and so we're really lucky we have those partners.
0: Is there a fear of, of copycats? I mean, there, there are. to be fair here, there are some unhinged people. That have access to social media and to the internet that would see something like this and say, "Hey, maybe that's going to be my my path to to f- fame." I mean, there are people that have that mindset. I mean, the guy that shot John Lennon did it because he wanted to be famous. I mean, that that happens sometimes. We we maybe can't understand that kind of logic, but we know it exists.
1: I think so, and, and, and we may find out that this was copycat. I mean, again, we don't know his motivation, but he may have downloaded stuff in the last a while. We thought, hey, you know, look what happened in in, in, in Barcelona. Or look what happened in London. Hey, I can do that, and I've got a grievance, or I'm pissed off, or whatever it is, I'm you know, angry at the world. I'm going to follow in, in the footsteps of someone else. So even though it's not terrorism, it follows a, a, a classic terrorist modus operandi. So, yeah, we may find out that, in fact, he was trying to copycat it. And as I said, let's let the police do their investigation, and, and hopefully we'll learn
0: more. Do we expect to hear more chatter from, from those places when something like this happens? I mean, invariably, you know, there are groups out there that actually will try to take credit for something like this, even though they may not have had a part in it.
1: Yeah, they might. You might get a claim of responsibility, but I think we have to judge. Is it, is it realistic? Look, it, it takes nothing to claim something, right? You you could claim it if you wanted to, the Bill. Um, just the fact that you put on the credit this is me doesn't mean it was due. So I think we have to be careful in terms of uh, recognizing claims. A lot of stuff is just done for propaganda purposes, so... Let's take it. Let's not take it at face value.
0: We've got a, an investigation ongoing right now, obviously from the Toronto Police Services. Uh, are security forces, are intelligence forces involved in this too?
1: They might. I might be surprised if they didn't run his name by CSIS. to see if he showed up on their radar for under a national security investigation. I'd be I'd be skeptical, but they probably have a, a due diligence. So within Toronto, there's something called the INSET, the Integrated National Security Enforcement Team, mm. which is led by the RCMP. All the local services are involved. CSIS is involved. So I'm pretty sure they're involved, just to, just to cover their bases to make sure that they're asking the questions. What did who knew what when? And uh, you know, even if it's not unlikely, it's, it's a good question to ask.
0: I just I wanted to touch on on the arrest because we have that on video. Obviously, I'm sure everybody has seen that now. That uh, somebody with a phone camera was was actually following what was going on here. Uh, and and the uh, the the effort that the officer did, and actually the technique that uh, the officer used to actually apprehend this individual, uh, was was quite remarkable. And uh, I, I guess this is the essence of what training is all about. He did not overreact. He he acted properly, uh, assessed a situation under very very high you know stress situation, and 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 brought this guy in alive. And I and obviously that's going to be helpful in this investigation.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, Act by the police officer shows his professionalism, shows a whole bunch of stuff. So kudos to the officer. And to me, what is really important is that the, the suspect is alive. So you know, they can they can ask him questions, right? You can't ask a dead man questions. So I think this is a fantastic uh, thing by the Toronto police, and I think this guy should be committed for what he did. He showed a lot of composure. He no one was at risk. The public was not at risk. So he was he sh- he holstered his gun and he and he ended up arresting the guy. So. Really impressive work on behalf of Toronto Police.
0: So much more that we want to find out. and You're right. I guess we just have to be patient and wait for the investigation to uh, take its course, and then we'll get this information. Phil, always appreciate uh, your time. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Take care, Bill. You Bye-bye. too.
0: Bill Gursky, uh, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, a guy who spent an awful lot of his life uh, in intelligence work uh, and knows all about these sorts of events. And uh, I would suggest that he's probably bang on, that, uh, that CSIS has been contacted. Uh, We already know they said that this guy is not known to authorities, Uh, but that obviously is cold comfort, I guess, to to what happened yesterday. Much more to come as we continue our coverage about uh, the attack in Toronto yesterday and, of course, the implications of, and uh, we'll obviously be getting the names of some of the other victims. One has been identified already, uh, somewhat of a personality person who uh, was known in the sporting world And uh, we'll certainly get the, uh, the identities of the others as we go along. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.